Well, uh, hey, Turfs and Trannies, this is Nina Paley, co-host of Heterodorks. And I am Corinna. I can't wait to tell you what we're going to talk about today, but since we don't have a list, you're just going to have to find out the hard way. (laughs) Well, I'm going to connect things to the experience of being canceled and how it how it affects your entire life, probably forever. Like I'll probably be paranoid forever. That's sad. It is sad. It's, it's traumatic. I spent my entire adult life getting over the trauma of junior high, which was hell. And uh, now I get to start all over again. Or a couple years ago, I had to start all over again because the junior high trauma returned. I have to observe, Nina, that what you do for a living requires a lot more social connection in order to gain purchase in in that world than what I do as a software developer. So cancellation must hit you not just personally, but professionally much harder. Yes, except that a lot of people have been fired from their jobs, which is a, like a hundred percent punch, right? Like you can say you need more social connections, but then everything that you have can be taken from you if somebody convinces your superior to fire you for saying the wrong thing online. Yeah, assuming that you can't find another job in that line of work. Well, it's going to be a lot harder, right? I mean, it's hard It's hard for people to find jobs, period. Certainly in academia where competition is fierce, it's super hard. It's hard. I think. I think it's hard everywhere. That's probably true. I'm trying to think of some famous cancellations and see to what extent there are counterexamples. For example, I think James Damore, who was fired from Google for publishing a memo that had some research that argued that men were more interested in technical jobs than women. I think that he's landed on his feet okay. Megan Murphy, I don't know what she would say because she has argued many times that Twitter was such an important platform for her that being removed from it has had some professional impact. But she seems to be still carrying on her brand, so I'm I'm not sure. Well, I heard... Uh, Katie Herzog's talk about Megan Murphy recently, and Katie seems to think that it has really impacted her, that her cancellation, uh, in spite of various ways she's found to compensate for it, that it's still been more negative for her career overall. But I do think with the James Amore, and, and there are some other figures, if you're willing to go to the other tribe, to run to the arms of the other tribe, there are opportunities for you. I, I haven't done that, but I have thought about it, right? Like thought about joining up with some right-wing or conservative groups to be another poster child of an ex-liberal talking about this. And I think that's what happened to James Damore. I don't, I don't think he was ever a liberal, but, you know, ex, ex-Google or whatever. That reminds me of that young lesbian from Baltimore. Oh, Julia Beck? Julia Beck. Thank you. You got her name. She didn't run to any, she didn't run to any right-wing arms. She just was part of a panel that was at the Heritage Foundation, but it wasn't, she was specifically not right-wing, right? It was a specific panel of specifically and overtly left-wing people speaking there. I think that that's a fair assessment, but I think it's also fair to say that she did find some comfort in the arms of the right. Yeah. I mean, I find comfort in the arms of the right because they're not attacking me. (laughs) Like... Any, I mean, it's it's not like it's not like they're embracing me, but uh, the hostility that I get from the left, I don't get it from the right. I do sometimes, just because occasionally there's a 
overt anti-Semite or an overt misogynist that doesn't like Jews or women and is disgusted by my <laughs> being those things. But that's pretty extreme. It's, it's not remotely mainstream right wing. The place where I want to find comfort is in the arms of people who have a nuanced way of looking at things and don't have just one rigid mental process. Yes, me too. But you don't get enormous, powerful tribes of those people. No, but that is my tribe. <laughs> <laughs> no, just not a powerful tribe. I'm all excited because I'm on GitHub finally. I am not a coder, but I've been aware of GitHub for years, and it's been this mysterious thing. And people say like, oh, just go try it. But you know, there hasn't been enough to motivate me to do it until now, until this project I'm working on with a coder, a tool. Uh, the project is called Mystic Symbolic, and it is making me very happy and excited, and I love it, and it keeps me occupied all day, and it's the kind of creative adventure that animation used to be before I got really good at animation. It's it's going into uncharted territory, uh, but with enough skills that I'm getting lots of positive feedback from the work itself. So there I am, and... It's great. And yet my thoughts being there is like, oh, when when is the, you know, cancel club going to seek me out here? And also the fact that a tool was willing to collaborate with me and interested in collaborating with me. I thought like, does he not know? Does he not know that I have a, a scarlet letter on my breast or or does he not know that I'm a witch? And I figure everybody is either they don't know or they do know and they have integrity and know that that's not important and aren't going to play that game. But I think it's probably more people who don't know. Like the person that invited me, who's currently in the process of disinviting me from a certain cultural institution, he simply didn't know. And those people are quite rare in cultural institutions, which is why I get so few invitations. And when I do get an invitation, it's from somebody who's been sleeping under a log or something for the last five years and then get a, a rude awakening when they go look at Wikipedia and, and the words gender critical pop out at them and then they have to report to their employer. It is rather awkward when you're the curator at a gallery and you accidentally invite this young landscape artist, Adolf, to come and put some of his paintings up on your walls, right? Yeah, there's lots of stories about that. People that like, oops, I invited Hitler to my gallery. I won't make that mistake again. And to prove it, I'm going to make sure no feminists ever publish anywhere. Anyway, uh, yeah, so I'm, I wonder this at all times. And my junior high trauma prepared me for a life of just assuming everybody already hated me when I walked into a room, people that didn't know me, because that was the case at junior high. It was like somehow word got around that Nina Paley was on the lowest rung and was available to be disdained. So people that I had never met or interacted with, they were already saying terrible things about me and, and just, you know, ready to convey disgust towards me at junior high. And yeah, I spent, you know, a few decades conscientiously trying to get over that problem because of course, most people don't care. Most people have no reason to have any prejudice for or against you. How terrible is the curse that the best form of validation that you can get comes from the people who you want it from least? <laughs> <laughs>
Well, see, that's not true. The people who the people who I want it from most are actually these people that know about it and don't participate in it. Those are actually the best, right? Not not the people who who like anybody that lefties hate. Like somebody came to my blog and left a comment the other day, and I haven't approved it. Their handle is Trump 2021, and they commented on this article about pronouns. Right. So this is an article that I made, wow, three years ago already. Man. Uh, it's called Why I Don't Use Preferred Pronouns. And it's an explanation of why I don't use preferred pronouns, why I use sex-based pronouns, because I speak English. And it's I don't think it's hostile or transphobic. It's my choice of <laughs> pronouns, right? They're like adjectives. Uh, they belong to the user. Uh, but this person whose handle is Trump 2021 responded, more, more, more opposing the identitarian overlords. My soul fills with joy watching them shriek and twist and convulse with pre-programmed rage, spittle of flying upon every failed conversation. Kiss my ass, leftists. So that is a supportive comment. And I am wary of approving it, although I guess I might as well because I approve all the ones hating on me. But yes, it's 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 that's not really that's not really the kind of validation that makes me feel good or validated. You don't want to be part of the tribe that's supporting Trump's re-election efforts for 2021? <laughs> yes, the 2021 election. <laughs> it's a, a rolling 12-month event now. The the coup. I think there's other ways to become president, you know, you don't need an election. I have been considering what it means to be non-binary. And I'm thinking that I tick so many of those boxes that I ought to come out as non-binary. Well, what does it mean to be non-binary? I don't know. You tick a lot. I, I tick those boxes too. <laughs> Most of my boxes are I don't know. If you have enough of those boxes that say I don't know, it makes you non-binary. Well, so look, I don't identify as male or female. I have a good argument for not identifying as male because I've had my body modified in a way so that the, the most masculine trait is no longer there. So I'm physically non-binary already. Don't, I'm not stereotypically masculine. I don't like to fix cars or wrestle Greco-Roman style with hot... Well, okay, let's put a pin on that one. I don't like to get my nails dirty with grease. And I also don't like to uh, sew. So I feel like when I look at all the things that are in common with non-binary people, the only thing that I don't have is a, a, a side cut for my hairstyle. Or a septum piercing. Or a septum piercing. So I don't have all of the, all of the non-binary traits, but I think that's still okay for my identity. So I'm mulling over whether I ought to be changing my identification from human to non-binary. Hmm. Human to non-binary. Our species of binary, it's like there's human and not human. And then there's non-binary where you're neither human nor not human. Oh, uh, I guess I should say I don't have a default gender identity currently. I'm thinking of, of adopting one. Okay, but isn't human a species identity? It is. I just reached for the word where I wanted to describe what my gender identity was. And that was the word that was there because I don't have male or female 
sitting in that box. I had to dig for something more generic and it was human. Yeah, don't. So, so human is a gender now. You're human gender. I was human gender. Now I am non-binary. Huh. It sounds like I'm being sarcastic. And in fact, I cannot tell you from my own point of view, whether or not I'm being sarcastic, because either non-binary is a real thing, in which case I am a very strong contender for being that identity, or else non-binary is a amorphous thing that you can only legitimately claim to, to be a member of if you are accepted by the group that has claimed the label of non-binary. So you're either non-binary or you're non-non-binary. I am either non-binary or I am outside of the clubhouse of non-binary. Right, which is a binary. Yes. You're either non-binary or you're not. That sounds like a binary. Yeah. So I am non-non-binary. How are you non-non-binary? I'm not in the non-binary club. I mean, for me... Like the boxes include a septum piercing and some sort of dyed hair and a personality disorder. Maybe I have a personality disorder. I can't speak for you, Nina, but I was about to say, well, one out of three isn't bad for me, right? Wait, which, which you, wait, septum piercing? I don't, I don't know. I, I assume everybody has some form of a personality disorder. Well, we have personality traits. <laughs> I don't think that's a full-on personality disorder. Really, I think it's whether or not... I think if you believe that you're entitled to tell other people what pronouns they should use for you, then that's one category. And if you don't believe you're entitled to that, that's another category. And I put non-binary in the category of people that believe they can dictate how other people speak. And I am not in that category. So I, for shorthand, will say that I am non-non-binary. That makes sense to me. I have been grappling with this idea of non-binary identities, though. And if a non-binary identity simply means that you have an entitlement or believe you have an entitlement, to tell other people how to identify you, then a lot of people who don't identify as non-binary are also non-binary. Yeah. See, one way to not have these problems of identity is to just stay out of identitarianism. It's like, I don't sit around thinking about what kind of Christian I am or whether I'm a deist or any kind of Christian. I just say that I'm agnostic or atheist. To be fair, many people do grapple with their spiritualism or their spiritual identity. Sure, sure. And I may, I may grapple with my own personal one, but it's not, uh, it will have something to do with my actual beliefs. Whereas genderism, gender identity, religion is not, that's not a religion that I'm interested in. So I don't really care about how I would be identified within that religion any more than I would care about how I would be identified within Christianity or Islam. Uh, it's like, I'm an atheist. I'm simply, I don't practice this religion. Like you don't have to practice it. You don't have to have a gender identity. 
There are religions that I don't practice, but I have to acknowledge their material presence, even though they are religions, because if I were to draw a picture of a certain prophet, that would create a lot of antagonism. Or if I were to burn certain scriptures, that would generate some antagonism. Or if I were to misapply certain pronouns, that would create antagonism. Or if I were to say a, a certain word, that would also constitute a, a blasphemy. So there are these faiths or beliefs that, that only exist in our minds, but nevertheless, they carry a lot of material impact, and I have to observe them. Right. But you still can be an atheist, right? It's not like you have to have a gender identity. Right. And that explains why when I went to reach to describe my previous gender identity, I came up with human, because I'm more of a humanist than I have anything in that gender box. Yeah. And I solve it by just going, human is not actually a gender identity. When it comes to gender identity, I would be in the atheist box. You're a gender atheist? I'm a gender atheist, yes. Some people would say that you are therefore a gender heretic. Uh, yeah, but you're only a heretic like within that religion. I actually think about identity as it's a form of commodification. It's like a commodification of the soul, right? We have these, or maybe I shouldn't say soul. That, that is a pretty religious concept. But, but whatever we are, you know, the Tao that cannot be named, you, you can't really put into words what we are or what our true identities are. They're all beyond categories. The naming of identities is a type of commodification so that you can exchange and rank aspects of humanity that are not commodities or currencies. Are not, they're not natural commodities, but we're inventing a, a system to yeah. commoditize them. I mean, some have more value than others. I, I sent you that thing about uh, gender coin, right? You did. That was. Should I read it? Yes, please do. We were just talking about Bitcoin, so... Great segue. All right. Ah, here we go. Introducing GenderCoin, the cryptocurrency that validates your identity. Exchangeable with RaceCoin, AbilityCoin, and KinkCoin on coin intersectional markets, you can now use GenderCoin to pay off RaceCoin debts. There is no sex coin because sex is a colonialist social construct, and no class coin because material analysis is passe. Diversify your portfolio and gain equity with cointersectionality. I'm going to set up a mining engine to just get some more gender coin. Do you really think non-binary identities are valid? Like to you personally, do you grant them any validity? What I'm struggling with, Nina, is that at some point I'm, I'm going to be confronted with a coworker who claims to be non-binary, and I can't just tell that person I can't even say, what makes you non-binary? I can't even ask, what does non-binary mean? I'm going to have to deal with it somehow. Well, but what if your coworker said, I'm Christian? You know what that means. Oh, I absolutely know what Christianity means. Yeah. Here's the thing. I think that if you were to come up with a definition of non-binary, I have a very strong claim to call myself non-binary. I have an exceptionally strong claim to call myself non-binary. Well, you also have a strong claim to call yourself a Christian. I don't. Sure you do. You help others. We began this conversation. You're not even going to order a swing arm for your microphone because it might make a delivery person's life harder. I mean, my point is that you don't need to adopt a Christian identity if you behave in a Christian way. 
because Christianity, that identity is, it's a tribal signal, right? Like when someone says I'm non-binary, it's not even describing that they're gender non-conforming. It's describing that they're part of a community. And you don't need to join that community. By, by taking on that identity, you're signaling membership of a community that you're not a member of and you don't want to be a member of. And it has nothing to do with the content of it, right? Like the Christians might call themselves the brotherhood of generous givers. And you could be a generous giver, right? But you don't have to identify that way. You could be a brother and you don't have to be in a brotherhood. You don't have to say you're in a brotherhood and you can be gender non-conforming and you don't have to say you're non-binary because the very word non-binary is loaded with baggage that you don't carry. That's all correct. I could work with somebody who considers themselves non-binary, but I don't believe that there's any way for somebody who describes themselves as non-binary to distinguish themselves in a clear way from anybody who is not non-binary. So for me to consider their identity valid, there has to be some way for me to see some demarcation that goes beyond them claiming that they have an identity. There has to be something beyond it. Right. Like, I don't hold religious people to that standard. Just consider it a really, it's just a religion. And it'll happen just like you are going to work with religious people and just, they just have a religion. It's like, you can work with religious people. If I were to work with somebody who was, I'll say Jewish because I can, I have, I'm from Jewish lineage, so I'll pick on Jews. If I were to work with somebody who said that they were Jewish and that they were Orthodox and that they were chowing down on pulled pork sandwiches, I'm trying to think of like, Beyond the beyond kosher, what other sort of things are? Oh, if they were out going out partying uh, Friday and Saturday nights, like if they were, if they called themselves an Orthodox Jew, and did absolutely nothing to comport their behavior according to that which is considered sacred among Orthodox Jews, I wouldn't consider them. I, I wouldn't consider their religious identity to be valid. I'd consider them hypocrites. I would judge. Well, go ahead and judge. You should judge. I, I wouldn't just be like, oh, well, that person's a, a Jew if nothing that they do is in accordance with their religion. I wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah, but would you be able to work with them? I would as long as, as long as, let's say that I knew that they were a complete hypocrite and that I realized that they were only religious on the days that they were trying to get out of work. I'd make an issue of it. Hmm. I wouldn't consider their identity to be valid for the sake of, by, of which they were trying to exercise it. So I generally consider when someone says that they're non-binary, I generally think of that as another way of saying that they have a personality disorder or that they're very young, right? But the thing is very young people essentially have personality disorders. It's, it's normal. Uh, but if an adult says it, I think, okay, personality disorder then you you know you go to the subroutine that runs when you're dealing with someone with a personality disorder one of those you know one part of dealing with someone with a personality disorder is you don't engage with them any more than you absolutely have to right especially you don't want to be a target for them right 
Right. You don't want to be a target. Uh, you can't reason with them. And you just don't do that. So I can and do work with people with personality disorders. Uh, what I never want to do again is have a close relationship with such a person. Well, non-binary is definitely valid through certain oh, lenses I think so too. of analysis. By the way, I think so too. Non-binary is valid. I'm just like, please don't come after me. <laughs> like I'm clearly doing the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing. It's totally valid. <laughs> I think our conclusion is that if you are non-binary, you are 100% valid. Go pick on someone else. Exactly. Don't pick on us. <laughs>